Well, it's a privilege to be with you today. I bring you greetings from my wife, Jan. She's back at home in West Chicago taking a summer vacation day. And uh, I'm glad I can be with you today. And I bring you greetings from the 1500 Evangelical Free Churches of America that you're part of. And you're also part of a global movement of Evangelical Free Churches. We have 500 Evangelical Free Churches in Germany. And before COVID came, your pastor was going to join me in doing a pastor's retreat in Germany. And so you're part of a global movement and a global family. And then the GLD, 200 churches across five states. And so we're thankful for our team that serves and for Josh, who's on our board of directors. And it's just a privilege to be with you today. I was really interested to see that you're spending the summer with a word to the wise and studying Proverbs. I thought that was a great idea. And um, what I'd like us to do today is to take a journey on what I want to call the ship of fools. Because one of the great themes of the book of Proverbs is wisdom versus being a fool. And so that's what our focus is going to be today. And even from the very beginning of this book, as it launches, it's clear that there's a view toward this very issue, and it's one of the central themes of the book of Proverbs. Because we read in Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right, just, and fair, giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, for sayings and the riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. God, we thank you for gathering us today. We thank you that we can live in the fear of the Lord, which means to reverence you and to trust you and to turn from evil. Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you care to instruct us and encourage us and train us. And Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our wisdom. As we pray in your name, amen. One of the critical contrasts in the book of Proverbs is this contrast between foolish and wise behavior and people. And it's interesting that there are six different Hebrew words that are translated and used in this context of fools in a broad sense. And they can be categorized into three types. And so as we go on this cruise of the ship of fools, we're going to look at these three this, this morning, and I hope that first we'll examine ourselves and then we'll be alert as to how to relate to the ship of fools as it goes through our lives. 
The first of the sailors on the ship of fools is the simple. This Hebrew word occurs 14 times through the book, and it's translated in the NIV, the simple, each time. And a similar word is translated with a similar idea of lacking judgment. And this is used 10 times. And so this is the first of the sailors. And really, this is a first focus of the book of Proverbs. It's given to give prudence to those who are simple. Solomon says from the very beginning. And so the simple and those who lack judgment are naive. Often they're youth or they act like youth. And rather than seeking God's wisdom, they're kind of drifting through life. There's hope for the simple because there's hope that they'll listen to correction, that they'll listen to the words of wisdom, Proverbs, before what often happens to the simple if they just keep being simple, and that is that suddenly the simple fall into a serious temptation. And they take a terrible fall and live with the consequences. And this is described so clearly in Proverbs chapter 7, where Solomon says, starting in verse 6, at the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of the night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. And she took hold of him, verse 13, and kissed him. So I came out to meet you, verse 15. Verse 16, come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Verse 21, with persuasive words, she led him astray. And all at once he followed her. All at once he followed her. Like an ox going to the slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose. And an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare little knowing it will cost him his life. And so it is that the simple, floating through life, can take a terrible wrong turn. And so Proverbs says again and again, you who are simple, you need to gain prudence. And there's three dimensions of prudence that I want to point to. This is a great word study. And by the way, if you read through Proverbs, and a great way to do it is just to read on the day of the month. So on the 1st of August, you start with Proverbs chapter 1 and just read through the book for the day of the month that it is. And it's a great project to do over a month's time and read through Proverbs. And if you do that, I'd encourage you to underline this word prudent because that's what we all need is prudence. 
And so in Proverbs 14, verse 15, Scripture says, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. That's what prudence does. And a similar one, verse 22, chapter 22, verse 3, a prudent person sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. And so the prudent are encouraged to give thought to our ways, to see danger ahead, and not just keep going, but take refuge. Recently, I talked to a church, and a broken-hearted leader, as they discovered that their worship pastor, for the last year and a half, in the middle of the night, had been getting up and watching pornography, and then leading in worship for a year and a half. And it came out, and so sad that this simple young man didn't give thought to his ways, didn't see the danger ahead, and now he's looking for a job. Now, in the Evangelical Free Church, one of the great things that we do is with those who fall like this, we have what we call recovery churches, and he can go to a church, he can make a commitment to be there for a year or two, receive counseling, be under the pastor's care, and we seek to restore people to ministry. And I hope he has the wisdom to do that. Because the third characteristic of prudence that he has lacked so far is that the prudent ears listen to correction. Proverbs 15, verse 5, A fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. You know, God is so faithful to, before we're going to take a fall, he's so faithful to warn us. I've had that happen, I'm sure you have too, where there's a warning that comes from a parent, from someone that cares about us. They see something in us. They see something ahead. And they warn us, and they correct us. And the amazing thing is is that God is willing to, even after we fall, he's willing to correct us and receive us back if we'll repent. And so I love Proverbs, Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. God says, those whom I love, I correct. So be zealous and repent. The next verse is that famous verse in Revelation 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat with him and he with me. And so it is that God wants us to walk in wisdom. He wants us to walk in the light. He corrects us. He warns us. And he says to the simple, gain prudence. And if we don't do that, then we can move into, over time, sadly, in a hardened way, the second category in this book, and that is the fool. The Hebrew word kasil, 
is used 49 times, and the word of eel is used 19 times. 60 times through the book of Proverbs, you'll see the fool or foolish behavior. That's the way it's translated. Both words are in the NIV in most versions because there's very, li very little difference between these words. Kaseel, the one word for fool, used 49 times, means to thicken the body, like becoming stiff-necked and stubborn. And avil means a thickening of the liquids, like the hardening of the heart. And so these sailors are not the simple that are drifting and They've gone to the next level. In fact, Proverbs 10, verse 23 says, they find pleasure in evil conduct. They detest turning from evil. Their pleasure, their delight is in doing wrong. And so remember, as you're reading through the book of Proverbs, as we read about the fool, we're not talking about just, you know, kind of the everyday sailor with everyday problems. We're not talking about how we all make mistakes and we do dumb things and we take wrong turns and we get back on the path and Proverbs says the righteous man falls seven times and gets up back up again. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fool who's hardened their heart, who's got a stubborn, stiff neck, who delights in the wrong that they're involved in. And Proverbs describes and clarifies this, what's going to come upon this fool, and that is that fools bring grief to others. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. Now, all children make bad decisions. You know, we all take a wrong turn. We all have to learn things the hard way. We all do things that uh, we regret. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the fool who through delighting in evil brings grief to everyone around. And so this is in the family as a person descends into alcoholism or moves into criminal behavior bringing grief back to the family. That's what we're talking about here. That's playing the fool. And secondly, fools bring not only grief to others, but strife and suffering to themselves. And the emphasis in Proverbs, especially here, for the suffering the fool brings on himself is it relates to his speech, his, his words. And so Proverbs chapter 18 says, verse 7, a fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing. His lips are a snare to his soul. And so it defines this more as giving slander and 
giving full vent to one's anger are the kinds of foolish behavior that bring strife and suffering. When I was a pretty young Christian and I was in a campus ministry, I won't tell you how many years ago that is. I have to add it up anyway, but quite a while ago, I had a director who noticed that I had a loose tongue. And so he gave me a summer project. He said, Rick, I want you to spend the summer before you come back for the next year of campus ministry. I want you to look up in the book of Proverbs with a concordance. Every time the word mouth, lips, speech, anything related to the verbalization of things, I want you to look those up and I want you to categorize them into, you know, what is a bad tongue, a good tongue? What is, a, what is useful speech? What is dangerous speech? How do we relate to those who are speaking with their tongue in the wrong way? And what happens to us? And so I categorized, I had page after page after page. It's amazing how many of the Proverbs touch on speech. And the facts are that the lips of the fool snare him. Maybe you've seen a picture of a snare where an animal's going through the jungle or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's snared. And it's hanging there absolutely worthless and useless. It can't do anything. And that's what happens with the fool and his mouth. He snares himself. And without God's grace to grant repentance, he'll ruin relationships and responsibilities all the time. And so third, fools bring grief to others. They bring strife and suffering. And third, fools need our prayers, not our companionship, interestingly. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools. The one who sails on that ship suffers harm. And so it is that 1 Corinthians 15 says, bad company corrupts good morals, and that's just the way it is in life. We can think that it isn't true. But when we keep close companionship, when we go along with that fool, we become like him. And so we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This, by the way, is a verse I've prayed for almost 40 years for three children that we'd flee youthful loss, all of us and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And the scripture goes on, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And as I read this, I thought about all the wild, divisive conspiracy theories we have all around us. Scripture says, don't have anything to do with that. They just produce quarrels. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful, 
Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses like the prodigal son and escape from the trap of the devil who has held them captive to do his will. That God will grant them repentance. And so it is that we, we, don't, go with the, we don't go with the companionship of the fool. That's not the answer. No, we don't join in what they're doing. We don't become like them. We pray for them. And that's what we read here, is that praying that God will grant them repentance and free them from the snare that's held them captive to do the devil's will. And only God can do that. And like the prodigal, only God can bring him to his senses. And like the father, we are to walk the ridge and we are to wait and we are to pray and we're to trust. And when God does bring the fool back home, we welcome them and we love them and we include them right back in the family when God grants repentance. One more thing before we move on to the third category, and that is that it's important to remember that Jesus used the word fool very sparingly. He called the Pharisees blind fools in Matthew 23. And he said to the rich man who was tearing down his barns to build deer barns, but wasn't rich toward God. He says, you fool, today your life is going to be required of you. There's only a couple references. You can do the concordance study yourself. But one of them, I think, is in line with Matthew 7, where he says, take the log then as you relate to people and you see foolish behavior, take the foolish behavior first out of your own eye before you try to solve somebody else. And part of the warning of Matthew 5 is, I tell you that if you're angry with your brother, you'll be subject to judgment. And anyone who says to his brother or sister, Racha is guilty or is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. For you see, the emphasis here that we need to have is we need to, as we read about foolish behavior, we need to take the log out of our own eye. We need to see where we are involved in foolish behavior. And then we need to pray for those who are snared. Well, the third and final category of fools is the most dangerous. And actually, all three are referred to in chapter 1, verse 4, were to give prudence to the simple. Verse 7, fools despise wisdom. And then verse 22, how long will mockers delight in mocking? It's sad how much we see in the media today, mockers. Mocking God, mocking anything good. The Hebrew word is a let's. And there's two big characteristics that mark the mocker. First, mockers are arrogant. 
Proverbs 21, 24 says, The proud and arrogant mocker is his name. He behaves with overweening pride. Now, we all struggle with pride. But that, this is an overweening, a, a, just a sold-out arrogance that mocks God, that mocks the things of God. And secondly, mockers are dangerous. Proverbs 9, verse, verses, seven, um, verses 7 and 8 gives an interesting warning. Whoever correct, corrects a mocker invites an insult. Whoever rebukes a, a wicked man incurs abuse. So do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Very interesting. I've misinterpreted this verse so many times, you know, I, I, see, I see, oh, do, do not reprove a mocker lest he hate you, and we can use that for backing away from a needed correction, but we've got to remember the category here. When it comes to the simple, there are times when we really do need to rebuke them, and if they're wise, we can turn them back toward the right path. There's even fools that when we correct them, we can pray at the same time that they'll be able to hear what, what the truth is. But the mocker is so far gone, we're told, don't even bother trying to correct them. Do not reprove a mocker. He'll just hate you. And Proverbs 29, verse 8 says, mockers stir up a city. Wise men turn away anger. That's what mockers do. They just... They just Produce more and more anger and strife. And so finally, Proverbs 12, verse 10 says, this is what you got to do. Drive them out. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife, quarrels, and insults. Turn them off. Don't listen to them. Don't be engaged with mockers. Drive them out. Now, the New Testament describes the mocker as a wolf. And in Acts chapter 20, it says that we are to keep watch over God's flock and be shepherds. Because Paul says, after I leave, savage wolves will come in and not spare the, the flock. They're, they're mockers. And even from your own number, men can arise and distort the truth and draw disciples away. So be on your guard. We're to be on your, our guard against the one who distorts the truth all the time and brings nothing but division. And Titus 3.10 says, reject a factious person after a first and second warning. That's the mocker. Drive them out. Now we have to be careful. Not every difficult issue means there's a wolf under the bush. Not every disagreement is coming from a mocker. No, it's coming from those who are with overweening pride that just brings strife. It's not disagreement. Difficult issues, working them through. I had a staff member who Man, just everything I did, it seemed like he opposed. 
And finally, he crossed the line of disrespect in a meeting, and I decided I had to just speak up gently and correct him. And I determined in my heart I was going to discern, and I asked God, show me what this guy is. Is he a wolf? And to his credit, he changed. He never did it again. And I discovered that really he's a lion. He has a very strong opinion. He really believes everything he says. He'll never back down. But his intention is not to create strife and division or distort the truth. He's just speaking the truth in his heart. In kind of a hard way. <laughs> and so I've discovered that there are many different kinds of uh, people in the world, and I hope that this will help you a little bit in discerning the ship of fools, the simple, the fool and the mocker. And I hope we'll be exhorted to all of us want to be more and more prudent, to give thought to our ways, to see down the road of our con the consequences of what we're doing and hide ourselves if we're headed the wrong way and listen to correction rather than learning the hard way again and again. And I hope we'll read Proverbs in a new way and reflect on, am I involved in foolish behavior that I need to take that log out of my eye and not just always be looking at <clears throat> the speck in our brother and pray for them. And I pray that we'll be careful with overweening pride and see that it's so, so dangerous. I want to close with a story from D.L. Moody. I love his children's stories book, and I read this in there that, you know, we can all be simple sheep, and Moody tells the story in Scotland. He used to do ministry over in the Great, Great Britain of uh, how a shepherd told him that sheep would often wander into rocks and get into places they couldn't get out of. And maybe you're in a situation like that today. You've uh, wandered as a simple sheep, and you are now stuck. You are snared. And so it is with sheep. The grass on the mountains is very sweet, and the sheep like it, and they'll often jump down 10 feet to a patch of grass, and they'll spend days there eating all that grass until they are so faint they can't even stand up after eating all the grass on that little ledge. And then the shepherd will go down and pull them up with a rope and rescue them. And someone asked the shepherd, you know, why do you wait so long till they're famished and fainting? And he said, well, they're so foolish they'll dash right over the precipice and be killed if I try to do it too soon. And so it is that I think Moody makes a great observation. Wanderer, don't wait till there's no more friends, or you've lost everything, but see that if you'll give up on your own energy and if you'll give yourself to the Good Shepherd in repentance and rest, we can find his help and salvation. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your desire is that we walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And Lord, we pray that you would help us first to look at ourselves, examine our own hearts, and then lead us and guide us in terms of how to respond to the sailors on our ship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.